0: Who are we? How do we see and experience the world? What are the hidden forces that drive us? Why do we act, think, and feel the way we do? And how can we become our best, most authentic selves? Welcome to Typology, a series of freewheeling conversations in which we use the Enneagram typing system to explore the mystery of the human personality. I'm Ian Cron. The first time I laid eyes on Bob and Maria Goff, I was aboard a water taxi ferrying me to their beloved lodge that's nestled on the shore of a beautiful inlet in British Columbia, where I would spend the next five days with 10 or so other people on retreat with them. I soon learned what we were in for. I was still waving back at Bob and Maria when their kids pulled up alongside the water taxi threw me onto a towable water tube, and dragged me at what felt like 50 miles an hour along the surface of the water while I was still in my street clothes. I had arrived in Peter Pan's Neverland, and I soon learned that this is precisely how Bob and Maria Goff roll. Now, Bob's an Enneagram seven, and Maria's a nine. I know we spoke about sevens last week with our guest Rob Bell, And I want to assure you that even though this week's episode will give you a little more insight into the worldview of a seven, the show today is really more about marriage and how two very distinct personality types can create a climate in which difference isn't merely tolerated, but celebrated. Now, if you're not married, you'll still love this episode because it paints a marvelous portrait of how two very different Enneagram types, regardless of the kind of relationship they have forged, for example, it could be a friendship or or working uh, relationship, how those two types that are different can come together to form a bond in which the two become more than the sum of their individual parts. It's a great model. So Because Marie is a nine, and we haven't had a nine on the show to to just kind of like talk about their interior world, let me tell you a little bit about these amazing people known also as the peacemakers and sometimes as the mediators. The nine's underlying motivation is to keep the peace both in their internal and external world, maintain the status quo, preserve their connection with others, and avoid conflict at all costs. Sometimes called the sweethearts of the Enneagram, nines are chill, accommodating, go along to get along people. They're the least controlling number on the Enneagram. These are folks that let life unfold naturally, right? They offer others the freedom and space to grow in their own time and pace. They're quick to love. These are folks who are slow to judge, and they rarely ask to be recognized for the effort they put into caring for other people, which I can tell you is considerable. They're free and easy, down to earth, practical people who are eminently likable. And here's why I know all this is true, because I'm fortunate enough to be married to one and to be a father to one. So like all numbers, you know, nines have their shadow side. They tend to be disconnected from the instinctual energy necessary to rise up and live, as the poet Mary Oliver says, their one wild and precious life. The passion or the deadly sin of the nine is sloth, which is a word that we usually associate with physical laziness, but nines aren't physically lazy. Like for nines, sloth is a spiritual problem, right? It's spiritual laziness. And what that means is uh, when it comes to fully attending or paying attention to their own lives, like figuring out what they want, chasing their dreams, addressing their own needs, Uh, self-development in terms of their own gifts and calling, that's where they tend to be lazy. This failure to risk fully engaging with life stems in part from their need to avoid conflict at all costs. Because here's the deal. Nines are afraid that if they assert their own agenda, their own wants and desires, it will come into conflict or competition with the desires and the dreams and the ambitions of another person with whom they don't want to lose connection. And they're fearful that if they do assert themselves, that's precisely what will happen. They set aside their own viewpoints and aspirations to merge with those of others. And and sadly, nines pay a price for their go along to get along philosophy of life. You see, they end up living a life that's unworthy of their gifts and spirit. They fall asleep to themselves. But as you're going to learn, mature nines, like Maria, learn to find their voice and assert themselves and bring their amazing gifts into the world. Well, I'm sorry for the long lecture, but now you know something about nines as we go into this wonderful conversation with Bob and Maria Goff. Bob Goff, welcome to Typology, my friend. Hi, Ian. Good to hear from you. I, I,
1: I miss you. It's been a little bit of time since we were together, but I'm looking forward to seeing you again, and it's great to be on your uh, on your show and talking. Thank you, man. And
0: hey to Maria, your wife. She's in the room with you. Hey, I'm right here, Ian. It's good to hear your voice. Oh, man. Now, you guys, tell us where you are, because it's good. Oh, it's uh,
1: crazy. We're up at the end of an inlet in British Columbia, and the crazy part about this, there's a glacier on the property, and the water's coming off the glacier. We got it going through a pipe. It spins a wheel that's connected to a satellite, and
0: we're sitting next to the satellite. Is that crazy? Okay, that, <laughs> that is out of an enthusiast's playbook. A seven on know. the Enneagram. That's a crack for an enthusiast. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Maria, you and I need to talk. If you, you if you want to go offline, we, do. we can work some stuff out. Oh, my God. Yeah, I've
2: got a list of questions I need to ask you, Ian. Okay,
0: you, okay? well, we'll get to those, okay? Um, hey, so, Bob, <laughs> just to also give people a sense of what what sevens are like, I'm going to ask you a series of questions. And, Maria, you feel free to jump in at any point, Okay. All right. So these are some inventory questions I might ask to find out if someone was a seven on the Enneagram. Here we go. I'm always the first person up for a last minute adventure. Done. That's me. (laughs) Let's go. Maria, you got an example? Probably a hundred.
2: Yeah. He went, you know, living with this man is like living with a power plant. And the minute he wakes up in the morning, it's like the power plant turns on and he's just ready to go. It, it doesn't. It doesn't matter if he's got a cold or if he's just survived malaria or he's got a thousand other things to do
0: during the day. He's just up for it. He's just always been that way. Oh, that is fantastic! Been- it's amazing. Yeah, I know. It's a never-ending source of Neverland. Right. All right. Here's another one for you. I suffer from FOMO, the fear of missing out.
1: Yeah, I would say a little bit, but not kind of a uh, to be with the, at the cool kids table. But I would just—I I would want to uh, uh, not miss out on an opportunity to engage life because cool. I feel like I did the math. I only have ten thousand more days here, so I just don't want to like waste any of them.
0: Okay, so how's this one? Sometimes I get so eager for the future, I can hardly wait for it to get here. Oh yeah, totally.
1: Like it's 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 only Thursday right now, but I'm thinking about Friday already. <laughs>
0: I mean, uh, I've already made a paper chain. It only has one loop on it. (laughs) That is hysterical. Okay. Life is better than people imagine. It's all about how you explain things to yourself. Oh, yeah.
1: Totally. I just need to sit down and talk with anybody who thinks about it differently. Ah.
2: (laughs) Which is, that's sometimes me. Yeah. He has to fill me in on what
0: reality <laughs> is. Now, <laughs> the reason this is so terrific is... <laughs> yeah. Well, I can, I can actually tell you, because Maria is a nine. She's a, a peacemaker. And, and so she's even keeled. She's yep. grounding oh. for you.
1: Oh, yeah, totally.
0: So I'll give you a great example Last
1: night in the middle of the night, there's this huge crash. A rock hit a tree, the tree hit five more rocks, they all came down. And these rocks are the size of Buicks. And I, <laughs> I, I'm just like, this is awesome. I wonder what it hit. And so I think the enthusiast is thinking, I can't wait till tomorrow to find out the damage. Yeah. And like the <laughs> the practical grounded one would be to say, like, are we in the path of of this. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm thinking like, what a great story if we are.
0: Oh, my gosh. Well, I have to tell people that the, the quintessential kind of seven story about you that is perfect from my perspective. The first time we met was uh, seven years ago. Don Miller, our mutual friend, said, you, you got to come on this retreat to Bob Goff's Lodge. And I didn't actually know who you were at that point. And he said, you know, you got to come be part of this retreat. There'll be like, you know, 10 or so people there. And I was a little hesitant, you know. And our mutual friend, again, Gail Hyatt, said to me, who was also invited, you, you got to go. It's it's going to change your life. So we get out to your, which is not easy to get to, right, the lodge, right? It involved boat taxis and, you know, who knows what else. Yeah. <laughs> and And... When I get within seeing distance of your dock, I think your kids came out and greeted us and they threw, uh-huh. me, they threw me onto a tube, like out of the boat taxi, in my clothes, and flew me around the lake on a, like on a, a, a tube while you were on the dock or in the boat laughing and cheering. And I mean, it was the quintessential seven moment. What a greeting. Oh,
1: yeah. man.
2: <laughs> you can't help it.
1: Yeah, just say, I, I don't know what it's going to be like when we all get to heaven, but I'm hoping it's kind of like that. <laughs> just that idea of a rival and a celebration and a, not, uh, if you'll remember, there wasn't any details about what we were going to do or who was coming or anything. All you gets an invitation. And it's not different than our faith. Like, really, you get an invitation, you don't get all the details.
0: Oh, man. And for
1: a seven, you love that. That's like, that's awesome. Invitation people, fun, I'm in.
0: Oh, I'm having a visual image of St. Peter at the gates in a boat waiting for us with a tube to be <laughs> driven. They we're all
1: shouting, hit it.
0: Yes. <laughs> right. Well, listen, you know, enthusiasts, I have to say, when people ask me, what number would you like to be on the Enneagram? Now, I'm a four, right? Which is kind of a, you know, a very different creature than a seven, the, the the individualist or or the tragic romantic, as we're sometimes called. And I, you know, often, because my son's a seven, I, most, tons of my friends are, I long to have that, oh man, that joie de vivre, you know? that Like every day is a snow day. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but, you know, like with every number, there's a dark side, right? Which is that sevens typically love, adventure, and a future filled with unlimited possibilities and fascinating ideas and challenges and everything new and hopeful. But it's often in service to avoiding unpleasant emotional or psychological pain. Now, you and I are the elder statesmen here because my other guests have been younger. So you, you've you got the benefit of history. Is that been kind of your modus operandi I mean is that true of you
1: yeah Maria is here nodding her head like one of those little hula things on the back of a car yeah that's
0: totally yeah
1: that's it like an Olympian yeah I would say the uh, (laughs) but it is uh just an avoidance technique I don't think I think there's it's a living in a constant state of anticipation Mm. like I wonder what's gonna happen it isn't that, hey, I don't want to deal with that. Uh, And and in fact, I might not want to deal with it. But with living with so much anticipation that I don't want to get uh, bogged down by the circumstances that are happening right now, I'll Mm. acknowledge them. I'm a medium, smart guy. Uh, And the crazy part is, I'm a lawyer. I'm literally a trial lawyer. I win arguments for a living. And so I think you can navigate both. You can get... Uh, real with what's happening, but with uh, have just uh, uh, off the chain anticipation about what's to come. And the thing to be mindful, if you're a seven and you're that guy that's like waving his arms all the time, Mm -hmm. is that you don't uh, drive everybody else around you nuts as you're waving your arms and talking about what's to come. Mm -hmm. Um, So, uh, to kind of like pull in and out of that, and I love your thought about how there's a good side and a bad side. I think of it as kind of like a wave. There's the front side of the wave where you get tubed and all kinds of awesome things happen, but there's the back side.
0: Mm. And so
1: that was probably your reference to that, you know, the unhealthy version of that. Like when you've kind of gone around the bend.
0: So, hey, Maria, like what has been your experience with Bob in in terms of that underlying motivation to pursue the, you know, happiness in in order to skirt having to deal with psychological and emotional pain? And, And how old were you guys when you met? Uh, we
2: were 26 when we, when we got married, we were about 26. Um, so we, you know, we knew from the beginning that we were very different personalities. We didn't have the Enneagram at the time to, to clarify it for us. Like, thank you for making it so clear in your book. But one of the things that we have recently been saying about our personality types is that Bob is clearly more like a helium balloon and I'm more like the string, mm-hmm. and we're not one is better than the other. But we have equally important things that we do in life. And so when Bob is at his best, and he's that helium balloon, like there's no stopping him. And then I get to use my gifts, and which is more of an anchor and the string, and the two together make one really fun toy. <laughs> so I think go. we're really productive um, when we're together. But I've seen Bob <clears throat> struggle with not wanting to look look at some of the harder things in life and certainly the grieving of uh, our lodge was was hard this last year Um, but as he's matured and I think really embraced, uh, what his strengths and weaknesses are, he's worked through that. And I've seen him go to that place, um, more readily where he's willing to look at things that are not so pleasant and sad. And, and he's realizing it's not going to kill him to do that because he's really in his heart. He's more of the balloon guy that has the
1: ability to look at some of the harder things in life as well. Mm. I think part of it, equating kind of sad and stuck um, yes. so you could be sad mm-hmm. without being stuck and so for all the sevens that are listening that are uh, you know uh, identifying with some of these things that you could uh, experience grief but just not feel stuck that you just go like i there's a beautiful tomorrow it isn't today but it's right around the bend
0: mm. mm-hmm. hey maria i'm also curious with bob what's the difference between bob at 26 and bob today
2: Oh my gosh. Well, you know, I I don't regret anything because my my choice to get married and and he's the one kind of thing was so clear back then because who he was then is the same person as he is now. He's just more refined. And I think that maybe the way you describe it in your book is like the healthy sides of a of your number the of the enneagram or the unhealthy side. I feel like his experiences in life has brought him to the place where there's balance between the two. Hmm. Uh, and he's he'll, he'll go there quicker now than when, let's say, when we were first married. And I don't have a problem talking about hard things. Like, I'm happy to work through them because then it, it creates peace in a relationship. So I'm, I'm there. I'm like, we have hard things to talk about. Let's talk about it. And he would avoid that um, as a, a younger man. And now I see him go there more readily.
0: That's awesome because, you know, I think— um, I want people to understand that, like, when they're trying to identify their type, particularly if you're, you know, our age, you know, which is kind of in the senior class or to some people, you, if you think back to when you were less self-aware and your personality was florid, you know, it was just, you know, mm-hmm. brimming, not a lot of self-awareness usually. And so it's just an overflow autopilot. And, and I just tell people, think back to then if you're having trouble now as an older person mm-hmm. who's been through some pain and some, you know, counseling or whatever, which has kind of burned off the excessive dimensions of, of your type. And mm-hmm. I, I, that's always so helpful for people, I think.
2: Yeah, and you have to be willing to do the work to get there. I don't think that's something that just comes naturally as, as you mature in life. I think it requires intentionally getting the help you need. And that comes in all different forms. There's, there's tons of books, and yours is one of them, that can really help people Um, become more self-aware we've gone to counseling and have gotten a tremendous amount of help from that have encouraged everybody in our family to do that too and it's it's fun to grow together oh and our whole family knows their number we talk enneagrams it's great and thank you for, for shining a light on it for our for everybody
0: oh well thank you for for you know taking the time to read it and use it i mean that's that's the big thing you know yeah So, hey, Bob, I mean, you know, that anticipation thing is so characteristic of of a seven. And of course, the the danger there, the trap is, is you're never in the present moment to enjoy the thing that you anticipated last week, you know? So how do you stay in the present moment and enjoy what's happening right now?
1: I think a lot of uh, uh, little traditions that we each have, like I start off every morning here, uh, going down to the dock uh, when these kayakers from this camp that's around the corner, mm-hmm. uh, I go down about like 50 pounds of saltwater taffy. And when they come by, I throw them all taffy. And the, uh, <laughs> and I just, I'm the guy at the dock. I'm just that crazy old guy at the dock. And I've been doing it for years. And one of the things that I noticed this morning when I went down there is that the kayakers were way offshore. Like they were way out in the middle of the inlet instead of hugging the shore. And I was still down at the dock with my taffy. It's just like nobody got any. And I wasn't bummed out, but I just, I would think maybe it is a seven that, that wants to be in close. Uh, even when Jesus was talking about his friends, it said that they were watching him from a distance. And I think that a lot of people, and I don't know which number it would be, are observing things from the distance. And that's fine. If uh, these guys wanna know where I live, they can look from the middle of the inlet, and see my house. But they wanted to meet me. They need to get a little bit closer to shore. Mm. And so, if if for whatever number your listeners are at, I would say, just paddle a little closer to shore uh, and see who you meet along the way. And you don't have to. I don't expect them to be me, and I'm not trying to be them. Uh, But to live into who God has made you to be. So I'm just the guy. I guess sevens probably stand on docks in the inlets with saltwater taffy and balloons. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, but that idea of living in anticipation that, uh, that it might matter to one kid, one kid that came to camp that is, is just not the cool kid, but you can almost spot them and to just start pelting them in the best way with a saltwater taffy and talking to them and engaging them. I just would want that to be one of those Several moments from their week away, where somebody actually asked their name and was just so delighted to see them. I think Sevens perhaps a delight in seeing it, their life matter in the lives of others. I don't need to be the guy, uh, you know, in the spotlight or on the stage. I'm happy to be the guy in the dock, but I just want to be part of making something matter for somebody else. So I think perhaps uh, Sevens might woo other people. Along to say, oh, have you checked out the waterfall? Let me know what you think of it once you paddle down there. Mm. So that again, that of living in anticipation. Mm.
0: So let me, if if it's okay, um, let me just sort of probe at the seven nine relationship a little bit. Is that is that cool?
1: <laughs> yeah, let's do it.
0: Sure. All right. So you know, uh, enthusiasts and peacemakers—that's the name for nines. For those you don't know you guys really complement each other well in relationships, typically? Like, the enthusiast provides, you know, the agenda, right? Like, they take the... They, like, really just take hold of the initiative, and, geez, their interests are all over the place, and the mediator, you know, tends to go along with the agenda and, you know, kind of kindly supports it and all the diverse activities of the nine. But, here's the but, you both like keeping things pleasant and free of conflict typically and mm-hmm. when the 9 starts to feel a little run over because they're not qu- as quickly paced as the as the 7 is they can start to feel a little bit overlooked is is that been a dynamic over the last umpteen years of marriage yes <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> Marie's actually standing up on the table right now. She says she's got a, a t-shirt that says "Listen to Ian." Um,
2: this is so true. The, yes, but but that would that be typical that Bob would be as aware of that as I would be?
0: Yes, right? Definitely. That you would definitely be more aware of it.
2: Yeah. So then that creates a little bit of a conflict in the marriage. If I'm if I feel like I'm the only one bringing up something that might need to get tweaked or an area that we might want to grow in or, you know, like it's, uh, it's been tricky, but I think, uh, that's, what's worth hanging in there. I think in a marriage, as time goes by, you really start to appreciate how much ground you've covered and how far you've come. Mm. And, um, boy, I have really appreciated how Bob and I have worked out our teamwork Um, over the years, it's, it's really worth it.
1: I think about the, uh, the uh, kind of overarching idea that I think in our relationship, it would be marked by a hundred percent kindness and zero percent drama. Mm -hmm. Uh, Because what makes for great daytime TV will make for a lousy life. Uh, Mm -hmm. It'll make for a lousy, you will just be worn out. So when drama, I don't know what, number that would attach to, but any of your listeners, if there's a lot of drama, it's not actually very productive. I think most of you would agree. Mm-hmm. And to say, replace that drama with kindness. Mm. Um, and, uh, and if you can replace that, then you find this beautiful, uh, as you know, I mean, we're not looking for middle ground. We're just trying to get there together. Yeah. Um, and so we'll go about it in different way, ways, right? So, all uh, I love the idea of surprises and who would who would have thought of it and all that. Oh, we're at, uh, building a lake up the street.
0: Did you just say you're building <laughs> a lake? Did you you didn't just say that? Did yeah. you? Oh my yeah, gosh. Yeah, but I didn't tell Maria when I started. <laughs>
1: Literally, we came up here and we were up here, I bet, for two weeks. And I said, do you want to go see the lake I'm building? And she's like, what lake? I'm like, exactly. That's what I named it. It's called What Lake. I told her it's got an island. She's like, what island? I'm like, I know. So, but that would be the enthusiast that say, oh, she's going to love this. And you got to understand, we live on like a body of water that stretches to Japan so she's like, you needed more water. But an enthusiast sees like, we can catch trout. The grandkids will catch trout. The deal is we don't have any grandkids yet. <laughs> but the enthusiast is living in tomorrow and you know, one sonogram away from now. I'm thinking about you know, how <laughs> if we built a lake, we could have a trout and all that. So what we do when something like that happens, Maria could feel like, you built a lake and we did we skip the whole like let's talk about a part. But <laughs> but one of the things that um I think overlays even that as an illustration is a hundred percent kindness, mm-hmm. uh and to understand how we each are wired. And I'm not trying to be like her and she's not trying to be like me. We're trying to be like Jesus. Mm-hmm. But like the Maria version and the Bob version. Um and if you do that like kindness, not drama. Um, it seems like it, no matter what numbers you are, uh, it would be helpful.
0: That is great wisdom for uh, sevens and for, for really for every number. I, I think about, you know, that great Merton quote. He says, um, the beginning of love is the will to let those we love be perfectly themselves and you know, and not twist them into our own image. And that's what well I'm thinking said. as he said yeah. that. Yeah, just and, – and by the way, I want to say that as a team – I saw that firsthand at the lodge, you know, like Bob, you were the kind of like I, I just think about Willy Wonka, you know, like when everybody arrives that day and they're like, hey, we're at the factory, you know and 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 Maria, you were you were just there as a stable presence and and I'm a four, you know, so I'm more introspective and you know, uh, you and I connected over yoga. remember that?
2: Yes, yes. I, I was just beginning to practice, and uh, you um, you were practicing every day up here, I think. I was so impressed by that.
0: Yeah, and so you and I connected, you know, over topics that, you know, that, that the two of us would typically engage in, a four and a nine, and so there was that teamwork. You know, Bob has got his his role, and, and you've got yours, and, and there was really a banquet there for everybody. That's what one of the things I loved about it.
2: Oh, uh. yeah. That's really kind of you to say. I think that's what happens when
1: people feel invited um, and then welcomed. And there's a big difference between getting invited somewhere and being welcomed. And so whatever number you are, I think we've all experienced what it's like to be invited somewhere where you weren't really welcome. (laughs) Mm. Because you can tell in an instant and whatever uh, way that God's wired uh, you to be, to find the most welcoming version of you to say, how can I make people feel at ease and part of this? Uh, Not like they have to be waving their arms when they're doing it, but that there's a spot for that. And I think that's one Mm -hmm. of the things that Marie and I have noticed that um, because we're different, people will just kind of find their welcoming spot in a different place. And I think if you could do that and think of that as a strength in your marriage, rather than a point uh, to enter a bunch of drama.
0: Mm. So typically in a marriage between a seven and a nine, right? The enthusiast gets frustrated with the nine at times because one, they, they can be indecisive and distracted by little things. And then the the enthusiast <laughs> ah, here we go the, the 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 enthusiast is gonna like say hey we need more action and and more interest and attention uh, to what's going on and then also the nine can get stubborn right and and kind of quietly oppositional to stuff so like with the lake you know you might start to dig your heels in in a really kind of a passive aggressive way Bob am I speaking your language at all or oh we, yeah you, know, you just described us yeah yes, that's <laughs> yeah. awesome. Yeah. The beautiful thing about
1: understanding the beauty of how you're wired is that you'd understand uh, those differences and actually embrace them. Mm. Um, So I'm not expecting, like, uh, we were just uh, scaling rocks off this cliff after the fire. uh, There's a bunch of rocks, like, like huge rocks, that need to get moved. So I'm thinking, this is awesome. We can do rock climbing up here after we're done or before we move them. Like, who knows? Uh, just thinking about all the possibilities, and to have somebody that's uh, thinking uh, more practically is really good. And so, the thing that's important to the enthusiasts out there is not to recast somebody as like bummer person, because they're thinking of like beautiful, practical things. I think together you just make a lot of really neat things happen.
0: Mm. So here's a question for you, Bob. When the, when the lodge burned down or, or maybe during some other, you know, time of sadness or crisis, a lot of times what sevens do, this is the hallmark feature of sevens, is they reframe negatives as positives in a heartbeat. Like they, they just kind of want to skip what sucked, you know what I mean? And, and go, you know, move away from grief and sadness too fast. So what's that dynamic been like in, in your marriage? Is that true of you? oh
1: yeah yeah one of the uh, that's such a great question we're just all grinning over here because we went to uh, uh, some trusted friends over at OnSite after this happened oh yeah uh, Maria shared this in her book about how you know this thing just really took her out and so Uh, I, candidly, I just didn't want to go and spend a lot of time talking about, I wanted to be with Maria. But so literally while she was in the room talking to a a trusted friend and working out some of these things, I was in the room, I bought a front end loader. The tires are eight feet tall. I don't even need one, but that's how I (laughs) processed being bummed. And I'm like, okay, I got a front end loader. And the second thing I did, I got building permits yeah, so uh, day three, <laughs> i'm I'm designing the bowling alley that's going into the next one. And, and Maria is like work, working through all the important things that you need to work through and the grieving. and um, and it's not like I wasn't bummed. I just I wanted to replace those with activity because I associate uh, activity with uh, purpose. Mm. And sometimes a seven, can end up confusing purpose with activity. And so instead of leading a purposeful life, you lead a really active life, and while you're ricocheting off everybody, like Roger Rabbit, it's actually leaving other people like with no space to work through their stuff. And Mm. so, so it's good to be mindful of that to say, uh, and I did get my front end loader. I'll be driving it (laughs) later today. Um, But to realize that you're just wired differently and to slow down and to Maria has been really kind to bring me along in some of those things to say, Hey, we ought to like pause and talk about some of this a little bit. Mm. Um, And I'm thinking, how about we have the conversation at the lake? <laughs> oh.
0: <laughs> Maria, what's that dynamic been like for you?
2: Yeah, it's it's been so interesting, Ian. Uh, one of the things that I think you brought up, or you know, like he could he could end up leaving um, a seven can end up leaving a nine in the dust because they're just charging ahead, and uh, which is great. Like I love the things that he charges towards. It keeps me from not being stuck. So you know. You know, there's a a great balance in that, but I have had to kind of stick up for myself or learn how to communicate in a way that's different than my 20, in my 20s, you know, that woman didn't know how to do that and didn't understand what our differences were. But as time has gone on, I think that we've, we figured out a way to do that. When when we had little kids and I was a, a, at home overwhelmed by what was going on and Bob was spending a lot of time at work doing what he needed to do to um, develop his his career in law. Uh, I ended up at a box store, big box store, and saw that they were selling all of these signs, commercial signs, like bathroom, no parking, whatever. I saw a help wanted sign and thought, oh, my gosh, isn't that the truth? And so my (laughs) passive aggressive side (laughs) bought that sign and came home and put it in our living room window for Bob to see when he got home. (laughs) <laughs> because I didn't know how to articulate to him that this isn't working. Like I need help. I don't know what that help is, but I need help. And I'll tell you, Ian, that was such a good exercise for me in particular because by the time Bob got home from work and that wind that sign had been in our front living room window, I had a chance to figure out exactly what it was that I needed in the help department, and was able to articulate that to him when he got home. And of course, he's all for that. Like, just you know, send him, send him in. Like, just give him, give him the 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 charge or the you know the what is it that we need? And he's just off and running. And it wasn't anything extravagant. I just needed a couple of hours for a babysitter to come to our house so that I could go do things without the kids and feel efficient. And he was on it. Like the next day, he was helping me call people, some kids up at the, um, at the Nazarene college up by our, where we live. And he figured out how we could get a babysitter and how I could get that time. So we, we can work together in our differences, but it's definitely been a challenge figuring out how to articulate and speak his language as a seven So that my personality as a nine doesn't feel left in the dust. Mm,
0: That's wonderful. And, you know, nines, I mean, I'm married to a nine. So I love, I love nines, you know, And and I'm a father to one too. And, you know, nines kind of have this mindset that their presence doesn't matter, you know, like, they they tend to merge with with other people, and it's hard for them to assert their own agenda. You know, so what happens with their anger? Because they're they're in that anger triad, which is sort of counterintuitive, but it does come out passive aggressively, like putting putting the help wanted sign out is just classic nine kind of stuff. <laughs> yeah, you know, <laughs> I mean that's awesome. And
2: I still have that sign too.
0: <laughs> Do you bring it out every I can now and use then?
2: It. <laughs>
1: one of the kind things uh, about that though is that maria doesn't hang these like the sword of damocles over my head uh so she's not trying to bust me and say remember we had the conversation about Mm -hmm. so i've experienced her to be just very you know kind and accepting and that may be among the hallmarks of somebody that's a nine Mm -hmm. um they, I thought I would read that like a Seven uh, just wants to spend every day at Disneyland. <laughs> and uh, and I don't spend every day there, but I spend Wednesdays there <laughs> every week. When I'm teaching up at Pepperdine Law School, I stop at Disneyland on the way and just go out and sit on Tom Shore Island. And then people come and meet me. Again, it's like being the guy throwing the taffy that they know between 10 and 2 on Wednesdays, I'm going to be at Tom Shore Island. Not going to make an appointment, just. but if you want to be there. And there'll be 10 people waiting every single time. And I'm just uh, living in anticipation, not just for what might happen in your life, but living in anticipation, whatever number you are, to live in anticipation of what would happen in someone else's life. So while Maria as a nine is different than me, she's living in anticipation of what might happen in my life if I could get a clue about <laughs> some of these other things. So I think that could be something that knits people together, whatever flavor you came out of the factory as, uh, that we could be living in hope and anticipation, not like a sheriff, but anticipation of what God might be doing in their life, knowing that he's working on different things in their life than they're working in mine.
0: Mm. <laughs> hey, Maria, tell us about your book, would you?
2: Oh, I, just released it in March, and you know, it feels. Part of me feels like that was a long time ago, and another part feels like it just happened, like I just birthed a baby. But um, I wrote "Love Lives Here," finding what you need in a world telling you what you want, and it was really a response to the interest that Bob got uh, from "Love Does." He wrote a lot about our family and uh, stories, and shared his faith and. I think it was just a, a natural next step for people to say, hey, what, what does Maria think? Or, and and I wanted to be able to give our kids a copy of a book that I wrote about their life as well, because there I feel like there's, there's both sides to the story, uh, the nine version and the seven version of what life has been like at home. And so to just sit down and um, pick stories that I thought would be meaningful for them, you know, years from now for their, our kids, 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 you know, how cool is that to think that we could pass on uh, some of the lessons that we've learned and any wisdom we've collected along the way, if we could put it in one spot and pass it on to the next generation, that—that um, that is a, you know, a, a, a legacy, I feel right. like, is what we can do for our kids. So yeah, it was fun to write or hard to do. I, I watched Bob write Love Doesn't. He made it look so easy. Um, and then I ended up uh, realizing that I labored over every single sentence and... <laughs> All the details, and just wanting to get it just right, and uh, it's just been really neat to get it out into the world now, and hear back from people how it's inspired them. I I knew that my my heart's desire was to to raise our kids, and um, Bob was a lawyer, and we could afford to live on his income, and I could stay home full time with our kids, and so that's how we set up our life uh, when uh, you know really early on in our marriage. And uh, he's like, gets up in the morning and tries to figure out how he's going to save the world. And I wake up in the morning and think, you know, Homeland Security, what can I do to improve life here around the house? Mm. And uh, that's been good to do. And uh, I think to give a voice to that and our experience from having a lifestyle like that has been um, an encouragement to other people who are trying to decide how to live their lives. And my encouragement is that, you know, we're, we're all very different. There's no two families alike. There's no two people alike. Even if you're the same Enneagram number, you're going to be different within that number because your own personality is going to play into it mm-hmm. and your life experiences and all. So, um, it was just, is so interesting, I think, to, um, finally say, you know what, I'm not going to be afraid to say that I want to stay home and I want to be a a wife and a mom and raise my kids to the best of my ability. And in doing so in this book, I've been getting a lot of messages from people that have been like, thank you for saying that because I would really like to live my life like that too. And it's not necessarily the message that the world is giving us. You know, There's just so many colorful, sparkly options out there. And um, if you're not one of those, you can feel bad about yourself. And I wanna say, you know what? Being you is the best sparkly option out there. So go be you. And if if that involves staying home and raising your kids, or uh, not traveling as much or whatever it is, you know, go do that. You don't have to work for a corporation. I I made a career out of raising my kids and I I approached each day and each season as professionally as I could doing the best job that I could. Uh, So I tried to uh, uh, write chapter after chapter um, stories that involved the choices that we made to raise our kids.
1: I'm laughing at myself, even. When Marie is talking about that, she was uh, sitting here in the cabin, uh, you know, spelling words and putting <laughs> ideas together. and You just really need to concentrate. A guy lands a helicopter on a flat spot of our property and asked me if I want to go see a snow cave with him. I'm oh. <laughs> I'll be back in a while.
0: <laughs> I-, I was going to say, so, I know
1: what the answer was. Yes. yes. Uh, so the differences between a seven, eight and a nine. But sweet Maria didn't say, Bob, don't go. And I didn't say to her, Maria, come along. Um, It just to know where that person operates in and then live into the fullest, humblest version of you.
0: Oh, that's so Mm -hmm. good. So, Bob, I wanted to ask you, because I I know your energy or your electricity there probably has a limited time (laughs) on it because it's running on a paddle wheel, Um, (laughs) that, that, that you only got so much time. I mean, I could talk for hours here, but I know you don't have them. So... What you're doing this thing called, I mean, this is, you know, this is right out of the, again, out of the seven playbook, but Big Dream Project. I mean, I I came to your house in California a couple of months ago when when I was in Encinitas and drove down to see you. And there was a Big Dream weekend going on. Tell us about the Big Dream Project.
1: You know, the whole idea behind uh, this is that people have oftentimes something that they were hoping for. I think we all do. And sometimes you can uh, get to that place. Other times you have some things that just get you stuck along the way. So the whole idea was to spend a day or two together talking about what some of those things are. And then uh, the next couple months together on the phone, just saying, okay, so what is, uh, not to just tear you on, but say, what's the next step? So uh, one woman, she wanted to be a speaker. But she'd never spoken anywhere. And uh, and she, she really need to have like a little video clip or something to send to people. So I was like, what could we do? And I was speaking to 3,500 pastors the next weekend. So I just walked out on stage holding hands with her. <laughs> and it said, go. <laughs> and she did great. So that would be, that's just down on the dock with 100 pounds of taffy again. That whole idea, could we... Say to people, uh, what's your big dream? What are the perceived impediments? And then how can we get over those together? There's just something so invigorating about that. It's just, uh, I don't know uh, uh, who's getting what out of it. I'm getting a ton out of hearing people not only uh, identify their dream and their dream can be at home, their dream can be uh, writing something or doing something or starting something, but to have some people that aren't just waving the pom-poms but but to say, OK, so what are the what are among the next steps mm. to do that? So I, I've been having a blast doing that.
0: You know, one of the features of a seven is they are so interested in other people's lives because it's like they get to live their life and that person's life at the same time. <laughs> Maria, I hear you I'm laughing. Deal. <laughs> hey, guys, I am so appreciative of, of your time and, you know, for firing up the paddle wheel, the water wheel, so you could get the, <laughs> the power to be on with us. And I just, I'm, you know, I'm such an admirer of, of both of you. I have a, you know, an, a real place of affection in my heart for you and your work. And my memory of our time together in the lodge will is really you know, etched in, I didn't say burned, I said etched into my memory. <laughs> um, and uh, because it really was a time of of retreat and really feeling nourished by your respective kind of, you know, presence in the world, which is different, but, but beautiful. And Maria, would you come on and be my nine guest one day? Oh,
2: I'd be honored to Ian. that would be fun. Oh, man.
1: Hey, Ian, thank you. We feel the same way about you. Um, Paul's kind of saying a salute to some of his friends in Romans, and he talked about that they would experience peace and they'd experience joy and, and because of the power of truth in their life. And that's one of the things that you've been to us, a person that helps joy and hope overflow. Uh, because you're just speaking truth. So keep doing that and loving on people extravagantly. I think that's the only gear you've got.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, so thanks for letting us get just uh, a little bit of time on the uh, on the wire with you. Mm.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, peace and grace to both of you.
1: Thanks a million. All right, say hi to the family. I will. See you later. Bye.
0: Well, that was... A remarkable conversation. I feel so privileged to know Bob and Maria, and you know I learned things about them today that were so instructive for me as someone who's married to a nine. Just really so grateful for their willingness to be on with us today here on Typology. Let me let me just close by reading you the entire quote by Thomas Merton that I referenced uh, to Bob Maria because it's fan- it's it just carries the freight of everything I want to say. Merton writes this, The beginning of love is the will to let those we love be perfectly themselves, the resolution not to twist them to fit our own image. If in loving them we do not love what they are, but only their potential likeness to ourselves, then we do not love them. We only love the reflection of ourselves we find in them well, I mean, God bless Thomas Merton, that nobody, nobody can articulate a, a truth in as efficient a fashion as, as Merton can. And here's the truth that he's alluding to, that when two people who are very different come together, there's always the temptation to want to turn the other into our own likeness, because it's just going to make our lives easier, we think. But the truth of the matter is is that our calling is to let others be perfectly themselves and and not just to tolerate our differences, but to appreciate and celebrate them in the same manner that Bob and Maria talked about earlier in our show today. We've already heard last week, you know, some transformational tips for sevens. So I'm not going to spend much time there, but I do want to give some tips for spiritual growth for nines in their work with the Enneagram. So here's just three that I hope will be helpful to you. The first is this. Nines, you need to resist the urge to fall back on passive aggressive behaviors. Okay, this is standard. Uh, kind of practice for for nines who are in the anger triad, right? But they stuff their anger and just release it sideways, you know? It comes out in these passive-aggressive behaviors like stonewalling or the silent treatment or being conveniently late for things, you know? But in in most, it, it reveals itself in a kind of quiet stubbornness and resistance. So when you feel angry... As a nine, if you can touch that anger and be open and honest about it, that's a big step forward. Here's a second tip for you. Realize that your tendency to merge with others can be a beautiful gift if it's directed toward God and lived out as union, right? So what do I mean by union? It's so different from merging, though the words sound the same. Union is like two candles coming together. And you, you put the flame together, and they're the right you have union in the flame, but you have two different candles, right? They, they maintain their, their separate identities, but come together. That's union. That's what we want to find with other people and with God in particular. But nines, you need to resist the urge to fuse with other people, to abandon your own viewpoints and your own dreams and your own agenda for life in service to uh, fusing with another to avoid the possibility of disconnection or conflict. That's a big task for you. And for you who love nines out there, I wanna encourage you to call forth the gifts of these folks and not let them kind of just merge into the background and be, you know, go along to get along people all the time, but to say, your presence matters. What are you gonna do with your one wild and precious life. That'll be a tremendous gift to them. Hey, so we've already heard from so many of you who have submitted questions, uh, and we love that. We're so appreciative, and we are using them in, in episodes, and we'll continue to do so into the future. So for example, if this week you have questions about marriage or relationships between types or any other kind of question about the Enneagram, just go to typologypodcast.com, go to the Connect page and fill out the form with your question, and we will try to get to it. Also, uh, we are just trying to find our legs here, you know, our voice on typology. So if you have suggestions about format or future guests or show topics, we want to hear about them. For those of you who are new to the Enneagram and want to get a quick primer to the system so you can better understand what we're doing and talking about here on the show, you can download a PDF of a chapter from our book called Finding Your Type on the podcast page at typologypodcast.com. And finally, if you like this show, go subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And leave us a review, because that's a great way to help others find out about this show. Well, we'll be back next week. So in the meantime, remember the words of Oscar Wilde. Be yourself. Everyone else is already taken. Have a great week. See you later.